During my break, the Lord spoke that word courage to me, and it just filled me up, and I knew he wanted me to speak it to you. And this week, I opened it last week, uh, this week I've heard uh, sermons and devotionals on this same word. That tells me, over the almost 40 years of pastoring, that many times the Holy Spirit speaks a word to the church. When I hear the same word being spoke throughout the body of Christ, that gives me even greater confidence that the Lord is speaking a word to his church. Courage is necessary for life. You can't live life without courage. Anybody, what does fear do to you? Just start shouting out some adjectives here. Paralyzes you, huh? Destroy. Mobilize. Immobilize. What does fear do to you? Makes you hide, makes you weak. God wants a courageous church, not a fearful church. It takes courage to come out of COVID. Break depression, oppression, isolation. People losing their sense of who they are. The life that they had might be gone. It takes courage to rebuild, to re-enter life. It takes courage to start a new job, to start a new business. It takes courage to enter a new school. I went to three different high schools in four years. I'm the guy eating lunch by himself on the first day of school three times. It takes courage to step onto the field of play. It takes courage after you've been laid off to believe that you are going to get another job and be able to provide for your family again and step out. It takes courage to face your inner fears, abandonment issues, and and, and uh, rejection, owning up to your past sins and the damage it caused in people's lives and making amends. It takes courage to step out and obey God. Next week, the message is going to be courage to obey because when you obey God, miracles happen. But no matter what area you need courage in. What did we learn last week in our opening message, which is going to be the same theme throughout every story we read and every sermon I preach? Where does our courage come from? Say, my courage comes from knowing God is with me. Say it. God is with me. Come on, say it again. God is with me. Dad, mom, father, mother, friend. God is with you. Whether you're in prison or a palace, God is with you. When you're on a mountain peak or you're in a valley, God is with you. When you've sinned, God is with you. When you haven't sinned, God is with you. The psalmist said this in Psalm 139, where can I get away from your presence? If I go to the farthest parts of the sea, there you are. In the darkness, there you are. In the light, there you are. You know me. You formed me in my mother's womb before I was even here. You knew me. God has always been with you. God is with you everywhere you go. You know why? Because he knows you need him. This is why the enemy sows this lie that when you've blown it, God departs from you. No, when you blow it, God comes closer to you. I need a bigger amen on that one. Come on. 
We're going to be covering all sorts of ways that God is with you in all sorts of circumstances to inject courage into you. But last week, we left off in the middle of a story. I only got a quarter of the way through my message, and so I'm going to try to try to push the ball down the field today. We left in the middle of a story where the first Christians were being confronted for their faith. And if there is any place we need courage, it is to stand up for your faith in Christ. And we're going to need that courage to increase as the days approach. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. I'm calling this message, Courage to be a Christian. So let's look at the first believers, the ones that started this, the, the ones that went before us 2,000 years ago. You know the Bible says they're in heaven watching us right now? Every, every generation of believers passes the baton to the next generation. The baton is in your hand. In your hand is a baton. It's the call of God. Our identity is the church. We are the army of God in the earth. We're the body of Christ. We are the church that Jesus says the gates of hell cannot stand up against my marching army. And so we see the first ones launching this campaign called the church in the earth. And it won't end until Jesus comes back and takes us. To heaven. So let's jump back into this and let's see how the presence of God was the key to their courage. And so while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest. You ever been confronted for your faith by a family member, by a friend, by a classmate, by a work associate? Have you been, ever been confronted for your faith? Have you ever been the only one in a group that is a Christian? That's the litmus test right there. That's the moment where you know where you're at and your courage. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. We've got three different categories of people now coming down on them. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through, everybody say his name, Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, so now they're in jail. This is happening in different countries right now where pastors are in jail for simply reading the Bible from the pulpit. Just reading the Bible in jail. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard the message believed it, praise the Lord. So the number of men who believe now totaled 5,000. So there were 3,000 on the first sermon. Now we have 5,000 by the end of the week. It's a revival. It's the birth of the church. It was the beginning. It's where we all came from. That's why we're here. The next day, the council of all the elders and the 
uh, teachers, the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples. So it was two against who knows how many, but all the power brokers are there. And these two young men that are the first Christians of the church are standing in front of those who hold the key to their very lives. Their livelihood, their reputation, maybe their own, their very life. Now, these are the same people who just crucified Jesus. So these two disciples saw what they did to Jesus, and now here they stand before the same people. <laughs> A little intimidating, huh? Well, let's see what happens. And mind you, one of the people standing here, Peter, is the very same person who caved the last time he was confronted for his faith. Do you remember that? Oh, Jesus, I'll go with you all the way to death. I'll never forsake you. And when Jesus' darkest hour came and they were, they were beating Jesus and ready to torture him and crucify him, they turned to Peter and Peter said, I don't even know the guy. Right? But do you know what I love about Jesus so much? Oh, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, he found Peter. And you know what you and I would have done, because we're not Jesus. Come on. What would we, what would we, what was the first thing we would have, what's the look on your face when you saw, when you would see Peter? Yeah, Jerry's got it, right? Seriously? In my darkest hour? After all I've done for you? That's what we would do. What does our Jesus do, though? Cook some breakfast. Sign a friendship in the Middle East. Cook some breakfast. You know Peter's doing the tuck head, right? That's what shame will do. It'll make you do the tuck head. And all Jesus asked him was, what? Do you love me, Peter? Yes, of course. All right, let's go. But what about... What? Jesus is not even paying attention to it. Let's just go. Come on. Let's go. We're all he has to work with. I mean, what else is he going to do, right? I mean, come on. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. There's no perfect people. They brought the two disciples in and demanded, what, by what power and in whose name have you done this? Not ours. Then Peter, say the phrase out loud. Come on. Peter. That's the difference. The same guy just a few days ago says, I don't even know him. This same guy. He didn't go to a public speaking seminar. He didn't go to some kind of counseling where he now has the courage to stand up and do it differently this time. No, the only difference. The only difference. Peter, say it again out loud. Come on, church. Filled with the Holy Spirit said, rulers and elders of the people. Are we being questioned today? Can you see the Holy Spirit's now speaking through Peter? God will use a donkey. God's using me. God will use you. It's not our personality. It's not male or female. 
It's not Jew or Greek. It's individuals filled with the Holy Spirit of God doing what God has called them to do. That's where courage comes from. It's the Holy Spirit. Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed to a crippled man? They healed a man who had been crippled for 40 years. Do you want to know how he was healed? Uh, Yeah. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. The man you crucified, but whom God, he's he's got a different tone, doesn't he, than the last time. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected, now they're using an old, he's using an Old Testament scripture to say, you guys are the ones that rejected him, and now he, Jesus, has become the cornerstone of the church. There is no salvation, there is salvation in no one else. Not in you. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Mic drop. Burn the ships. No compromise. And not much diplomacy. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you in the moment, you are bold as a lion. You might be uncertain whether you could stand for Christ when you're being persecuted by a family member or, by, or at work or by a neighbor or your friend group or whoever. You might not, you might, or even for your very life. I mean, in other places on, planet, on earth right now, there are people, brothers and sisters of ours, Christians, that are being tortured, that are being killed, that are being imprisoned for their faith. We haven't come to that place yet in America. For us, it's a little more subtle where... Maybe you're going to lose your social status and your acceptance, you know, or maybe you lose a job. There are people losing businesses, right, because uh, they, they won't uh, do certain things and because of their, uh, their moral values and they won't sell certain things. Or, and so they're going to Supreme Court in our own country and, you know. And so there are, there are things that we might lose, friendships, occupations, property, reputation that's psychological that's relational it's not physical yet you might not think you would have the courage in the moment but let me say to you clearly the courage will come upon you in the moment that you need it that's the point here You can depend on the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, God with you, to just flex in the moment. Because it's not our strength, it's His. Amen? I love this next scripture I'm about to quote. 1 Peter 4.14 If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Why does that make me blessed? Well, one, Jesus said in the book of Matthew that when you're persecuted for my name, you're blessed because your reward in heaven just increased. Every time you get persecuted for Christ and you stand up for him, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching in heaven. I don't know what that actually means, but I do know it's good. All right? 
Your rewards in heaven increase every time you're persecuted for Christ and you stand up for him. We have got to live with the eternal perspective, family of God. Not that we are temporary residents and foreigners passing through earth. Heaven is our home. And every time you take a stand for Christ, there's rewards increasing in your name in heaven. That's a fact. But here's another reason you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Mm. presence of God, God with us. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. It is becoming less popular to be a Christian in our country. Let me ask you a question. When you hear that phrase, it's becoming less popular to be a Christian in our country. What does that produce in you? What does that do inside of you when you hear that phrase? Does it produce fear? I, I have a head shaking like this. Uh, more intim- You're intimidated? Or does it cause you to feel like I'm more resolved? Not, not you know, because I have, a, I have a, a, you know, a religious right in this country. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's a political reality. It's, I am devoted to him. And you can never take that from me. You see, that's different. He died for me. I will die for him. My hope is that today and through this series, as a follower of Christ, you will find yourself becoming more and more courageous. Not obnoxious. Courageous, not afraid to be a follower of Jesus in a post-Christian world. And remember, God will be with you in the very moment you need him. Look what Jesus said about this. Matthew 10 says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Jesus said it. So be shrewd as snakes. Don't be, you know, be smart but gentle and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. That's exactly what was happening to these guys. You will stand trial before governors and kings before you are my follow- because you're my followers. But this will be your opportunity to run and hide. This will be your opportunity to say, well, you know, you know, you know, I mean, I believe there are many ways. I believe there are many ways to God. This will be your opportunity to water down the gospel so it's not offensive. No, what did Jesus say? This will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and unbelievers about me. That's why when Martin Luther was confronted by the catholic church he appealed to the pope he wanted to go all the way and tell the pope about the gospel or when paul was taken prisoner 
He appealed to Caesar. He wanted to use persecution as an opportunity for a greater platform to share the gospel with the power brokers of the world. Woo! Come on. He says, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. Do you believe that? For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. We've got to trust that family of God. You know, Martin Luther said, and we talked about him last week. He said that when he's, you know, well, you read his speech before the church at that time, the religious order of the day that was persecuting him because he, he was, he, he, found that salvation is by grace and grace alone, not by works. And so when he was confronted, he was bold as a lion. But in his diary, he says that when he was put back in the dungeon, this fear would come over him. Like, what are you doing? I have felt that way before. Well, I come up here and the Spirit of God comes on me and I start preaching boldly. And then I go home on Sunday afternoon and I'm sitting on the couch going, Oh my God, (laughs) did you really say that? Have you ever felt that, Mark? Yeah, yeah, a lot. The Holy Spirit's anointing is bold. And then you step out from the, the moment, the assignment, the persecution, whatever it might be, and you're just back to being you. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. The Apostle Paul was this, look what Paul says. In Ephesians 6, talking about spiritual warfare, the armor of God, it comes down to the end of that and says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. He knew the Holy Spirit, the presence of God was the key. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. In pre-service prayer every Sunday morning, I say, please come pray for me. They lay hands on me and they pray and they prophesy because it's not my personality that that causes spiritual formation in you it's the holy spirit it's the voice of god It's the voice in my voice if you can hear a voice in my voice that would be the voice of god and it's god's voice in your life that transforms you and pray for me too and ask god to give me the right words so i can boldly explain god's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. I love that. I'm in chains now, preaching. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Do you see what Paul just said? Pray for me that I will keep preaching boldly as I should. Paul battled with fear too. He even wrote it to one of the churches. When I was with you, I was in fear and trembling. Paul begged for prayers because he knew it was the power of the Holy Spirit in his life that enabled him to preach boldly. Okay, let's jump back into the message. Back to the story. The members of the council, oh, This 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 is a big one. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness or the courage of Peter. They were amazed when they saw the courage of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary 
men with no special training in the scriptures. Key phrase. They recognized these men had been with Jesus. Aiden, you know what I found over the years? 15 minutes alone with God is more potent than 15 hours with people. I have found that my courage and the presence of people and their opinions of what the fear of man is, is what people think of you. I have found that when I spend time alone with God, a little dabble do you. You spend time alone with God, and as you do that, His presence, you become more aware of His presence. Then you're in the presence of people, and it's not as intimidating because you have an awareness of the presence of God in your life. And the more time you spend with God in the Word and in prayer and in fellowship and in fasting and worship, the greater His presence, the awareness of His presence in your life, the bolder you are in the presence of people. Or in any trial or any persecution or any obstacle in your way, you just know what you know what you know. Nobody has to convince you. You don't have to hype yourself up. You just know God is with me. That's why Jesus could say at Lazarus' tomb, after you've been dead for four days, Father, I know that you hear me, and I know that you always hear me. You say, well, yeah, that's the Son of God. Well, you're sons and daughters of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ to the kingdom of God. God says, it's my pleasure to give you children my kingdom. Jesus wants us to walk in the earth in the same level of confidence that he did. The key to that is what I, say, what I call cultivating courage. Cultivating the awareness of the presence of God. This is so critical. If you don't do this, if you don't spend time alone with God, spend time in His Word, spend time in worship, spend time thinking about God. If you don't do that, and it's just all work and entertainment and socializing and all that, I'm going to tell you, when the moment comes and you need to be courageous, unless the Holy Spirit comes upon you spontaneously, it won't be there. See, there's two sources of courage. One is God's presence is coming on you spontaneously, but the other is a cultivated courage by spending time in the presence of God. It's like not working out and expecting your physical strength to be there in the moment that you need it. Kind of like, you know, I was the captain of my high school wrestling team. And I was undefeated. And I've carried that in my mind my whole life because that was my experience. And then we were at a church volleyball game, and I bumped into one of the young lions, one of these young teenagers who, who, uh, who was on the Poway wrestling team. I wrestled him when he was a, just a little kid. I'm Pastor John. I want to wrestle you, right? So we'd wrestle in his garage because that's where the band used to rehearse. And then he got a little older. We'd wrestle. And he got a little tougher along the way, right? And, but I always beat him, right? And then I forgot that he was on the varsity team, uh, a Poway wrestling team, which has won states multiple times, and he had become a bodybuilder. And I bump into him on the volleyball court when the church was having like, you know, a, a picnic or whatever. And so I squared off on him. 
Now, I haven't worked out. I haven't run a mile. I haven't wrestled in probably 15 years at this point, right? But, you know, but in my mind, oh, I remember. I got the moves, right? And so he shoots in on me, and I get him, you know, like in a head and arm is what it's called. And I'm just swinging him back and forth. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, should I embarrass him in front of the church family? I'm a pastor. I'm thinking about the moment. I'm, but I got him. I can do anything I want with him. The next thing, you know those little cartoons where there's stars that circle on your head? Do you know those are real? The next two years, I went to chiropractor. I went, I went to massage therapist. I, I went through my HMO to my PT. I was, I, it took two years to recover from the pain he inflicted on me. And what's the lesson? The lesson is if you think you're going to be a strong Christian when the moment is in your face and you've spent no time with God, you're wishing. There's a guy in the Bible you might just glance over, Obadiah. Oh, my goodness. I love this little snippet in 1 Kings chapter 18, I believe, where God says he's going to cause it to rain on the earth after it hasn't rained for three years. The most wicked king and queen in the history of Israel are ruling the country, Ahab and Jezebel. They are wicked, evil, nasty every kind of perversion and sin and witchcraft and darkness you could imagine. And Jezebel is now killing all the prophets, all the preachers of God, cutting their heads off all over the land. Obadiah is the administrator of the palace of the king and queen. Jezebel and Ahab are his boss. He's responsible to run their palace while she is having all the prophets of God executed. Do you know what he did? He hid 100 prophets of God in two caves, 50 and 50, and gave them bread and water to survive. Woo, that's ballsy, huh? That's courage. Where did he get that courage from, Israel? Well, I'll tell you, it was cultivated courage. Because when he ran into Elijah, the prophet, who's coming on the scene, he said to Elijah, hey, when you're about to call fire down from heaven or rain down, remember me because I hid a hundred prophets right underneath my boss's nose. And then he said this, for I have served the Lord from my youth. That phrase right there. Because I have served the Lord from my youth, right in the middle, right in the face of, right in the belly of the beast, he's serving God. Daniel, same way, right? In Daniel chapter 6, Daniel serving the, the, the Babylonian king. And they passed a decree saying, if you bow down to any other God or pray to any other God besides Nebuchadnezzar, you are going to die. So what does Daniel do? It says, as soon as he heard the news that the Jews are going to be persecuted if they worship anybody but Nebuchadnezzar. This young man goes to his room, opens up the windows to the east, which is where the Messiah is going to return from the east, kneels down and prays, and it says, as he had done from his youth. That's where he got his courage 
from. That's called cultivated courage. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Let's jump back into the story, and I'm going to take a look at what these first Christians did. which enabled them to be courageous through the first century until they passed the baton to the next generation. Acts 4, 13, 31. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness, the courage of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since, they couldn't, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Miracles trump arguments every time. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? I want, I want people to say that about you guys. What am I going to do with this gathering place church members? These Jesus freaks. They won't stop. They won't shut up. We can't intimidate them. We can't shut them down. What should we do? We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. They thought their problem was solved when they had killed Jesus. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I thought, I thought we had shut this thing down. Now it's worse than ever. There's more of them. That's where the word Christian came from, by the way. Do you know that? Little Christ. Christian. I-A-N at the end. These people are behaving just like Jesus. That's where the word Christian came from. It was derogatory. It wasn't a compliment, by the way. But to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. One of our church members, Mary, on her way down to pre-service prayer, she was in her car and she said that the song... Uh, speak the name of Jesus came on in her car and she says she was shouting at the top of her lungs speak the name of Jesus and then she walks in here and she was telling I believe Agatha one of our other nurse intercessors who Linda. Glenda speak the name of Jesus and then she walked in her and the band's in here singing that song speak the name of Jesus you see it's his name that brings heaven on earth it's his name that is, heals the sick and saves the lost. It's his name they are trying to shut down and take out of our mouths. But you know who's behind that. Come on, who's behind it all? Satan. Come on. This is spiritual warfare. We're not fighting against people. We're fighting against the devil. He's trying to wipe the name of Jesus off the earth, which means he's got to take it out of the mouths of the church. Not going to happen. They warned them not to speak in this name anymore. So they called the apostles back and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, may this be our reply, family of God. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them even further. As though that would help. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign. The healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed. Okay, here we go. 
As soon as they were freed, what did they do? Peter and John returned to church, to the other believers, and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God and said, Oh God, protect us. Oh God, give us a place to hide. No. What did, they, what did the church pray? Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want us to pray this together. Let's back it up. Let's all pray this prayer. Now it's our turn. Okay? This is what the church prayed then. Let's now pray it now. You guys with me? Okay, so we're going to start it right here. It's going to say, we're going to start with, oh, sovereign Lord. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. You spoke long, come on, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time in futile plans? The kings of the earth, church, come on, still a prayer. The kings of the earth prepared for battle. Their rulers gathered together against the Lord and his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel are all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Come on, church. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servant great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Come on, church. That's our prayer now. That's our prayer now. And may we get the same results they did. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. I'm not so sure that Judy wants this building shaking right now, the owner of Lexus, but we'll repair it later. God shake this place. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is again. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time account. It's over and over and over and over and over and over. My roommate said to me one time, you pray so much, you, you, make, me, you, know, you make me feel unspiritual. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You need to know, understand why I pray so much. It's not because I'm so holy. It's because I have a propensity to be so unholy. Your boldness and courage, you can't conjure it up. You can't just decide to be courageous in the face of persecution. They preach the word of God with boldness. You can't just decide that you're not going to be fearful. This morning, I'm walking down the airport road in Ramona, having my morning prayer time at 6.30 praying for you. And as I was walking, I was feeling this cowardice, this cowardice come on me, this fear, this doubt. It was so weird. And I said out loud to the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach a message today on courage 
but I feel like a coward. I f- I'm, 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 my, my mind's kind of foggy, and I feel fearful to preach the message today. And then it hit me. Well, of course you do. That's a spiritual attack. Right? We have to recognize what we're up against, what we're dealing with. And so you know what I did? I didn't just decide, well, then I'm just going to be courageous. No. Walking down Montecito Road, I raised my hands up and just started speaking in tongues down Montecito Road. Right? Praise the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise. I'm still feeling the fear. I'm still feeling cowardly. But I'm saying, praise you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit now, God. By the time I got down there and the time I got back, I was ready to go, man. It broke. We had a young man who's We had a young I had a young man come to my house this week. The night before he was thinking about taking his life. He was gripped by fear. Carrying boatloads of shame. That'll rob your courage. And Blake was pulling into my house for a Bible study, and he said, hey, uh, so-and-so just called me. And I said, go get him. Hadn't seen the brother in a while. Picked him up, came. I started talking about this topic. Started talking about courage and overcoming fear. David said, when I, was, when I was in trouble, when I was in distress, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me and answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And he said, and he made me bold and brave. God's voice and your life will make you brave. He said when he was at his lowest, the darkest, the weakest, God spoke a scripture to him. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God spoke that verse to him, but he was still crippled with fear. Some say, I prayed, but my fear didn't go away. Pray till it does. Don't just pray till you're through. Don't just say, well, 15 minutes and it's up. No. Pray through. Don't just pray till you're through. Pray through. I, I walked down the Montecito this morning until the fear left so that I could serve you well. And so I wouldn't be crippled by fear. What is your fear? What are you afraid of? Jesus isn't afraid of it. And he is with you. Let's all stand. So the young man comes to my house, and as he's sitting there, I start talking about this very thing. And then I see him turning his head and kind of looking out the window. I asked his permission to tell this testimony. 
and he's looking out the window, and I didn't know if he was bored. My golf clubs were sitting in the corner of my office, and he's looking that way. I said, excuse me, are you checking out my golf clubs, or is God doing something with you? And he turned, and he looked back, and he was just weeping. And he said, this is exactly, now you got to catch this. This is exactly what God was just speaking to me before I came here. He's at the end of his rope. He cries out to God. That's the key. Cries out to God, cultivating courage. Cries out to God and God speaks to him a word. He comes to my house I speak the same word, not knowing I'm speaking the same word. And to him, it was the voice of God. We laid hands on him, and I'm telling you, something came up or out or off. And it left, and there was deliverance. I texted him the next morning, very important. How are you? He said, I slept on my friend's floor last night. I have never slept that well in my entire life, he said. We cultivate courage in the presence of God. Come on, let's raise our hands. Come on, let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Just say, Lord, deliver me from all my fears. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. It's got to be from your heart. You can't just say it because I said say it. It's got to be from your heart. Deliver me, God, from the fears that cripple me. As we're in this posture, you don't have to keep your hands raised if you don't want to, but you can if you want to. But I want you to do this while we're in this moment. What are you afraid of? Just think about that for a moment. Are you afraid of losing a friendship, your reputation for Christ? Are you, are you afraid of being considered a bigot, judgmental, self-righteous, hater, because you call yourself a Christian? Are you afraid of that? of being misjudged. Or maybe it's another fear in your life. Just, I'm going to give you just a moment because then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to remove that fear. What are you afraid of? Just leave it right there just for a moment. Ask yourself that question. You can even ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is my greatest fear? The Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind. It might be something you're not even thinking of. Somebody, I just got a word of knowledge for you, and it's abandonment. You're afraid to be vulnerable because you're afraid you'll be abandoned again. The Lord says, I will never abandon you. <laughs> You are never alone. I believe the Lord. I believe. I know who this person is. I'm not going to call you out, but I believe this is called a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit just tells you something about somebody. 
The Lord is saying you cannot be fully you living in that fear. And I want you to boldly be fully you. And I will do it with you. Be bold. Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what would He like to say to you about that fear? Just listen. A thought will come to your mind, something in your heart, a picture. Say, Holy Spirit, what would you like to say to me about this fear? And then just wait. Okay, now church, shout out what he said to you. I know he's speaking. Somebody, what did he say? Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, you see, with a smile on his face, I know he heard from the Lord. See that? Somebody else. Go for it. Oh, look at that. He's unleashing his church. Somebody else. What? Release control. Somebody else. Break through it. Huh? You were not meant to be enough. I am enough. Oh, Mufasa. Woo! Oh, wow. He said, basically, he said, you're not the Savior I am, so stop. Right? Okay, somebody else. Come on. The Lord, the Lord speaks truth into our lives. He speaks courage into our fear, faith into our doubts. What did God say to you while we are listening to him? Somebody else. I am for you. Trust me. For that, you have me. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, you guys are just making this stuff up. No, we're not. Nope. God speaks. God speaks. He speaks in many different ways. Lord, we welcome your presence into this place. We love your voice. We cultivate courage in your presence. Come on, let's, let's lift our hands now. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. All my words fall short. I've got nothing how could I express all my gratitude let's sing gratitude I could sing these songs nope as I often do every song every song must end and you never do so i throw up so i throw up my hands and praise you again and again because all that i have is a Singing hallelujah. 
church and sing it. church were filled with the spirit over and over and over again you might need a fresh infilling of the holy spirit if that's you or you want us to lay hands on you to break off shame break off fear break off anything is somebody has a fear that your that addiction will never be broken lie Jesus could break it right now. Don't let fear stop you from coming up here for prayer. Don't let pride pin you to your seat. If you need help from God, come on up. And we're going to begin to lay hands and prophesy and let the Spirit of God flow in this place as we continue to worship. Come on, Mark. Oh, come on, mercy. Don't you get shy on you got an eye inside of those eyes. Get up and praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on the lift of your songs. You got an eye inside of those eyes. Get up and praise the Lord. Here we go. Shy on me, lift up your soul. You got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. You got a